Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. And the title of my message today is It's Almost Vacation. It's almost vacation. Anybody got to that point where you're just like, you were at your wit's end and you, the only way that you were surviving is just like, it's almost here. It's almost vacation. How many of you, you have already taken a, a big vacation already this year? Just a quick show of hands. Awesome, awesome. How many of you, you are counting down to your vacation that you're very excited about? All right, a lot more hands. How many of you hate all these people because you do not have a vacation on the books and just feels sad? You're going to go, I'm sad today. Sorry about that. Um, I, I feel like it is officially vacation season. And uh, by that, I mean, like, I, it's, it's the time of year where everybody's planning it, going on them, talking about them. I feel like it is difficult to have a conversation with anybody this time of year where they don't ask me about, you know, vacations. They're like, so, any vacations planned? Where are you guys going? What are you going to do? Are you excited Right. And I, you know, I, I feel like it's people asking me how poor I am. That's what it feels like to me. Maybe that's just a me thing. Are you going somewhere exciting and adventurous and expensive? And I'm like, have you met me? None of those things sound like, like who I am as a person. I always feel pressure to have a good answer when somebody's like, what are you doing for a vacation? And I never do, um, at least according to other people. Because my idea of like a dream vacation is what most people would do uh, as a plan B if the world comes to an end via nuclear holocaust, right? Just reading in a cold cement bunker somewhere in the middle of nowhere, like that sounds amazing to me. I love that idea. Like playing cards, grilling meats, living in the forest, not showering. These things sound fun to me and to almost zero other people. But the reality of it is a lot of us, we spend the, you know, the majority of our year planning the vacation that we're going to take during this time of year. And we, we work it up in our minds. We're like, we're going to take the time off. We're not going to work. We're going to go somewhere special, and it's going to be tropical and beautiful, and we're going to do excursions, and we're going to relax. We're going to have so much fun, and we are going to eat and drink so much, okay? Like, I, I am going to fully gain all of the weight that I intentionally lost for this vacation on this vacation, okay? That is how I'll know it's good. Let's do this, right? And I think for some of us, being excited over time off is really the only way that we can endure our time on. We're, that's that's the, like our survival mechanism because our work with rhythms are making us miserable, like that we don't like our jobs, we don't like what we're doing, we don't like how it's going about. There's something soul crushing about our day to day. It's our week to week is just sort of a slog. And when we look at our jobs, at least maybe during the height of it, we feel like, man, this is exhausting and the people are annoying and it's just never ending, the work that I have to do. And we don't know how we're gonna make it if we you know, if we weren't counting down to our great escape. And for a lot of us, that's really what it is, right? It's, it's an escape. 
And this is how I think a lot of our lives are, end up being structured in our culture. Like we locked into a series of goals and commitments, like things that we're gonna do or we need to do, and we go as hard and as fast as we can at those things, and we overload our plates, and we, we push hard, and we burn ourselves out. And then when we've got nothing else left in the tank, we take a six-day you know, vacation to somewhere special that's supposed to fix and fulfill and restore us. And because we have all this pressure on it, if anything about it like goes wrong and isn't perfect, it feels like a failure. And I wonder if this has ever happened to you. Like where you went on a vacation and you got back and it was just like nothing went right or it wasn't how you thought it was gonna be, like in your mind, or you went there and you thought it was gonna be great, but you ended up fighting the whole time and you couldn't figure out why. Or it just, it was good, but it just wasn't long enough. And so you just started relaxing on the day it was time to go home. And that felt frustrating and annoying to you. And you get back and you immediately feel like you need to leave for a second vacation to recover from the first vacation. And I wonder if you've ever been there. Because if you have, there's an amazing cement bunker I'd love to tell you about that is so (laughs) relaxing. Hear me out. Um, I think this is a a brewing problem for a lot of us because, you know, for some of us, we feel like we're never really off even when we're off because our, our anxious brains are always on and active. And I wonder if you know this feeling where it just feels like you are always going, this sort of unfixed rumbling of anxiety in the pit of your stomach, sort of implying that, like, you know, you are missing something that there is something that you should be doing or that you should be checking or you should be preparing for or responding to or working on or following up with. And because all of this is in the background of your mind, you can't sit still. Maybe you know what the thing is. Maybe you don't know what the thing is. But the anxiety is building and you can't shake the sense that something or someone is depending on you and you're not gonna deliver. And your body is like, sort of subconsciously bracing for some sort of epic emergency, but you don't know what it is. And so it's just there. And for a lot of us, we respond to this by, you know, rechecking our email and text threads and DMs and comments and news feeds and to-do lists and productivity apps and online calendars. And as you're doing this, you can feel your heart rate rising and your anxiety increasing and your breath shallowing and your muscles tensing. And there is no reprieve. And it feels like the pressure in life just keeps mounting and mounting and the pace keeps quickening and you don't know what to do with it. And so you just sigh and you slug another Vente coffee and you suppress your exhaustion and you start dreaming, daydreaming about the next vacation, right? The, the, ne- the next one you're gonna take, the one that is gonna help you heal for real this time, not like the others. And we tell ourselves like, yeah, but this is just the way that it is. What else am I going to do? I mean, this is just like everybody lives this way. But does that make it okay? Does everyone living this way somehow make it okay? Because everybody does kind of live this way. This is like our cultural ethic, right? We, we brag about how busy we are and how long our to-do lists are getting, and how tired and trash we are because we work hard because we're Americans and that's what we do. We're all in, so we go all out, right? 24-7, 365, we hustle, we have a side hustle 
and a side project, and we freelance, and we freebase, and wait, wait, what? I don't know how some of you people are doing it. That's the only thing I could think of. We just keep pushing through. We do whatever we have to to just keep going until the vacation gets here. And even if you don't want to live like that, what choice do you have anymore? Right? Because when you are accessible uh, anywhere at any time, it starts to feel like you are never not at work. Even when you're not at work. And there's never any shortage of things that need to be done or things that need to be done better. And so it starts to feel like maybe you are either working on what you feel like you should have already done or worrying about what it is you're pretty sure that you need to be doing instead of whatever it is you're doing right now. And I think as a result, a lot of our lives end up overcommitted and overextended and overbooked and, and overwhelmed. And there's, there's just got to be a better way. And I wonder if there's something more, some other sort of a solution than simply just planning another vacation. Because it really doesn't seem to be resetting our culture in the way that it's supposed to. And this is what I want to sort of talk about today is we're unpacking what it means to, to work well and get the most out of work and get what God intended us to get out of work. There's this uh, key moment in Scripture where the ancient Israelites are sort of painted as feeling all of these sorts of things that we're feeling today, probably even more so, because they've been enslaved in, in Egypt for 400 years. And, you know, it was the only life they'd ever known. And they worked hard, around the clock, seven days a week, and the story that they were being sold by their society to keep them moving constantly was that your worth is equal to how hard you work. You are less a person than you are a tool for production. You are a disposable cog in a machine whose primary purpose is to get stuff done. I wonder if you've ever felt this way. I'm reading you something that an ancient society tried to communicate to their slave workers to keep them going. Does this sound really a lot different than how a lot of us feel about our lives today? And what happened for these people if they, you know, they did slow down or take a break or got sick or didn't make their quota? They didn't get written up. Okay. They didn't have, you know, a boss called in the office and be like, you know what? I'm a little disappointed in you. Um, and your performance this last quarter. No, they just, they got beat or killed. So a little more extreme. And so these people, they cry out to God who gets them out of slavery, which is a miraculous and amazing thing. But that didn't solve everything because it is way easier to get out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of you. Egypt isn't just a place for these people. It's a, it's a mindset. And the same thing is true then uh, the same thing that's true then is, is, is true now. Like just because you left an unhealthy person or place behind doesn't mean you didn't bring all the destructive patterns and paradigms you learned from them with you. And most of us do this, right? We exit one thing, but we bring all the baggage from that thing with us into the next thing. And so the next thing ends up being poisoned by our past 
Our past ends up getting dragged into our present. You've seen this, right? Like somebody finally gets out of this long-term abusive relationship that like you and everybody who knew them were like, oh, finally. And then like six weeks later, they're in another equally destructive relationship, falling into the same sort of patterns that they prayed for so long to exit. Or, you know, someone finally has this breakthrough and, and steps away from this horribly debilitating habit. And then, you know, months later, they get sucked right back into the same sort of destructive cycle, just with something else this time. Because the patterns are still in, ingrained in who they are. Why is it that we do this? Uh, a big part of it is because you, you tend to crave what you're used to, even if it's not good for you. Like we just want what is familiar and we keep going back to it again and again, even if it's horribly destructive. But God, because he doesn't just wanna set the Israelites free, but he wants to show them how to live free ongoingly, he gives them some instructions on how to live differently when they exit Egypt. And this is the first thing that he tells them about living well. This is what he says. Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. He says this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your house may do work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners that are living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them which is probably more important than what you're doing. That's kind of like the subtext here, right? But on the seventh day, he rested, and he didn't need it, but you do. That's, again, it's in there. And that's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So what does all this mean? It's, it's sort of God's way of saying, like, listen, you know, one day of week ought to look really different than all of the rest, and how is it to look different? The Hebrew word that's translated as rest or Sabbath here is the word Shabbat. And it means to cease or to stop. And what this insinuates is that it is a day where you stop working, you stop wanting, and you stop worrying. And some of you are like, man, that sounds great, but also tough because that's basically all of my favorite pastimes. Like, I, those are the things I love doing and I'm the best at. Working, wanting things, and worrying. Right? Like, think about, in just the context of your own life, like, think about how much time and energy you give to these categories. Getting work done, right? Any kind of work. Whether it's work that you're paid to do, work around the house, like, any sort of work. The other category of like wanting something more different than you have, how much time do you spend on that? Just like, oh man, I wish I had that. Oh, I'm gonna buy that. Oh, we're gonna purchase this. Oh, we're gonna go there. Oh, I wish. Oh, if I could just get in a relationship with them. Someday I will achieve, right? How much time do we spend just like wanting in life? And then this third category, worrying. Worrying about what, you, what you've done or didn't do or how things are gonna turn out. Oh, why did I say that? that was so stupid? Oh, I could, they're never going to do, is this going to happen? What's going to, when this happens, is this going to, oh, I don't know. And are we prepared for, and is it going to, 
Some of you are thinking like, actually, now that I'm looking at these three categories, what else is there in life? That's all I can think of. Working, wanting, and worrying. Like, is there anything else that somebody can do? And I guess apparently, according to God, there is. And we should be doing that at least one day a week. The Israelites who just exited Egypt, I think, would have found this this command to take a day to, to just stop. I think they would have found it almost as difficult as we do. I think it would have sounded crazy. To, like, just stop? <laughs> I mean, no, that's cool. I just, if you can, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to. Okay, don't get me wrong. I mean, I could quit whenever I want to. Okay, I just like, it's like, I've never done it before, but I could... I just, do I have to do that? Because I, I just, I, there's a few more things I need to get done. Because for these people, like although they've exited a certain place that caused them to think and experience life in a certain way, they wanted out, they got out, and yet they still have the tendency to want to live the same way. Because again, j- just because you left an unhealthy person or place behind doesn't mean You didn't bring all the destructive patterns and paradigms you learned from them with you. And what have these people's experiences taught them? 400 years of experiences imprinted on the way they see and do life. All this has taught them that slaves don't get a Sabbath. You don't get a day off. That's a luxury you will never be afforded. Like, slaves work all day, every day, until the day they die. Slaves uh, were subhuman in this context, right? They were items on a spreadsheet to be bought, sold, and traded as commodities. And slavery was what they were used to. It was all that they they knew. It It was normal to them. And so God is trying to introduce them to a new way of being. And the idea behind Sabbath for God was this idea of taking time weekly to pause and remind yourself that you are a human being before you're a human doing. That your worth is not equal to how hard you work. That you are a person, not a tool for production. And that you are loved just as you are, not because you can produce something else. Now, maybe you're thinking, like, that sounds great. But when you've gone a long time without caring for yourself, self-care can make you feel guilty. Anybody ever been there? You're just like, that would be great. I don't even know how to do that. I would like to. I don't know how to. And, and I, I think, like, for them, it was difficult to just sort of stop. Even though everybody was commanded to do it and they were all doing it at the same time, they could all just step into that awkwardness together. But in our culture, like when we try and embrace this principle, we're trying to do something that most everybody else is not doing. And that makes it feel really weird. Not only have we not really done it, but it doesn't seem like anybody else is doing it either. And when you live in a society that worships work, rest feels wrong, right? Sabbath feels selfish, but self-care is not selfish. And this is something that a lot of us need to learn. It's choosing to recharge so you can rearrange Um, and re-engage your community and your calling from this place of personal health. Jesus says it this way. 
He's talking to his audience. He echoes this Sabbath idea by like referencing the fact that you have people who are not technically enslaved, but running nonstop and working around the clock, and they are exhausted. And he tells them in Matthew chapter 11, verse 22, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And that's what it feels like when you are sprinting nonstop and you're taking care of a family and you're trying to earn money, and you're trying to pay bills, and pay back debt, and, and like build this organization, or this company, and get these sales, and hit these benchmarks, and send your kids to college, and do all this stuff, right? It feels like you are carrying a very heavy burden. And with all that at stake, how could you take a break? And yet Jesus invites us to stop, and sit with him when we're stressed, because when you do, you realize that the biggest burdens weighing on you are not ultimately up to you. Because what's true is that God's really the one carrying what you're carrying because he's carrying you. And some of us need this reminder in our lives because it's so easy to forget. And in fact, God was so convinced that this is true and that you are going to forget it about every six days that you needed to take a break to exclusively remind yourself of this reality because if you don't, you will run yourself ragged. And this is what Sabbath is. It's it's that regular reminder that this is what is most true about you. One famous rabbi says it this way. I love this. He says, Sabbath is a 24-hour period where there is nothing urgent, a day in which all your work is done, even if it isn't. Even if it isn't. Let me tell you a secret about work. It's never done. Even if we're just talking about one, let's just take one category of work. Laundry. (laughs) Never done. Never. Wow, so many sighs, right, just then. Could you hear that? It was just, I said that, and it was like, just the, the, the demon of, of laundry oppression just escaping people's mouths. And this is the thing. We, we tell ourselves we can't stop until the work is done, but here's the reality. The work is never done, no matter what the work is. Even if that work is leaning into your calling to help God in rescuing and restoring the world, that work is never done. But here's the good news you are not the one who's responsible to get it done. You're only responsible to do your part. And your part is not around the clock because you're not made for that. I think it's interesting that the first thing God wanted his people to know about living well is start by scheduling when you're gonna stop. Isn't that bizarre? That God's like, man, You don't know anything about living outside of slavery. What is the first thing I want to tell you? Okay, Uh, it's not all up to you, and you're going to be tempted to become workaholics. (laughs) I know you. you, Like, I made you. I know how to it. And so, like, you're going to want to start. Everything you start, you're going to want to start the thing with a schedule about when you're going to stop. You're going to need some boundaries on your work life. Make it a priority. Do it weekly. 
because your impulse is going to be to keep going, and that's dehumanizing. And even though you hate it, you're going to be tempted to be pulled back into it because it's what you're used to. It's fascinating to me, too, that like Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline that makes it into the Ten Commandments. Isn't that weird? Not going to church, not praying, not Bible reading. The only spiritual discipline in the Ten Commandments is like, stop. Stop. Rest. Enjoy. Enjoy. What a weird commandment. Stop and enjoy your life. And we're like, God, I can't do all these rules. What's, what's interesting to me is that sociological studies are now affirming these ancient instructions. Um, I was reading um, this, this report on a series of studies done on work, and it was saying that there's a certain number of hours that if when you hit this threshold of work, that your, your productivity actually begins to plummet once you hit it. Do you know what that number is? 50, which is interesting because it it's basically averages out to about a six-day work week. That like, in, we are, as humans, like science can now like do studies and, and let us know, like empirically, that after you work six days, you're done. And you can keep going, but like what you're doing isn't effective really anymore because that's not how you're made. And a lot of us, you know, we're like, well, that doesn't count for me because I do take a day off work. Um, I mean, I still work on my day off work, but I just work on other work. And that's kind of cheating the system, right? You run errands. Anybody else do this? You take your day off and you run errands, you catch up on chores, you clean the shed, you pay bills, you run to the store. You, you, you sit on hold for 15 hours and then they hang up on you and then you need to get nothing done. And this is why it's a really important uh, to note like what it is we're supposed to be doing when we stop. Um, Hebrew words have a depth of meaning. Like um, one Hebrew word doesn't mean one thing. I mean, not one English word doesn't mean one thing, but it's even truer in Hebrew words where there are fewer words and phrases. And um, this word Shabbat can also be translated as delight, celebrate and appreciate. So we're not just commanded to cease, right, to stop, but to celebrate, to delight, to appreciate, to enjoy. Sabbath is a day of choosing to stop and be grateful for what you have and where it came from and the people around you it's resisting the temptation to wish that you had something else or were with someone else or could be somewhere else. And these are some of the biggest temptations that we have. It's admitting that you don't need something more or different. You need to stop and take time to enjoy what God has already given you. Maybe you're just like, I don't, what, how, do, what, what, how would you do that? What does it look like? It looks like probably first and foremost, like t- powering down your computer. Some of you are like, what? Turning your phone off, putting it away. It looks like ordering in and like letting all your housework slide and maybe like taking a walk around your neighborhood and actually looking around, saying hi to people. It looks like playing and laughing and watching old movies and looking people in your family that you're just sort of running side by side with, looking those people in the eye. 
It looks like, like thanking God for all of the things that during the rest of the six days you typically take for granted. It looks like sitting around with old friends and telling old stories and, and really listening to one another. It looks like getting lost in a book and painting and, and, and praying and dancing to old records and making love, right? I mean, not at the same time, okay? And probably not with all the same people. Just got, you're going to need some boundaries there. But ultimately, Sabbath is about weekly reorienting your life around who and what matters most. And doing that takes intentionality. Because how many conversations have you had with other people who say, this is what's most important. But when you look at their schedule, their calendar, the way they organize their time, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't seem like it. Like their behavior isn't speaking to that belief. So here's my question for you. What day of the week do you stop and remind yourself that the world is sustained by what God does, not by what you do? Like what day do you refuse to work to remind yourself that God is the one who is going to save the world, not you? Do you ever feel the weight of that? This is why you need a day to remind yourself that's not true. And I think it's fascinating that this is not a suggestion, it's a command, which is sort of funny. It's like God is commanding you to set aside your anxiety and rest regularly. That's like commanding, it's making rules about like, we, in this house we will eat ice cream and we will laugh and we will make out, okay? That is, we are doing, these are hard, fast rules from the Lord of hosts which he kind of is doing that. Why though? Like we think like, doesn't everybody want to do this stuff? And we do, but if we don't schedule it, it slips through the cracks. God says this, remember to observe, remember to observe because it's easy to forget. Because the ultimate truth here is that deep rest doesn't happen on accident. You've got to plan it and protect it. And so what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to plan for a day of rest? Probably means you're gonna have to let people know what you're doing. You're gonna have to take some time off of working up the boundary off your schedule. You may have to send, uh, set up like an automatic out of office reply, right? You may need to set up an auto message on your phone to reply on the day that you're just taking back from everybody else. You're gonna have to set some expectations with people. And guess what? Now those people are gonna like the expectations that you set to take care of your soul. But ultimately, they're not responsible for your soul. You are. You need to do what you need to do for you. Because you're not a machine. And, and even the, the, the best, most exotic fallout shelter style summer vacation. Like, it's not gonna make up for running yourself ragged every single other week of the year. So this is my challenge to you. Design your week to include a day of rest and ready yourself for it. Look forward to it, gear up to it, plan in advance for it, do everything you can to make it special, but take time to cease and to celebrate take time to simply be. 
and watch doing take on a new dimension. For some of us, what is wrong with our work is that there's never a time where we're not doing it. And not only do you suffer, the work suffers because it's not getting your best. And because it's not getting your best, it's burning you out. And there's something better that God has for you and for that. But it requires this. You, like the, Egypt, like the Israelites from the Egyptians, have been set free. You are free. Refuse to live like a slave. Take a Sabbath. Reorient your world because you need it and you deserve it. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? I want to pray this into your life today. God, we are grateful for the life you give us, for the way that you show us how to live. And God, we pray in this moment right now that you would give us the courage, the ability to begin to reflect on our life and to set the wise boundaries that we need to in order to prioritize you, in order to put you first, in order to take a step back from all of the doing and the, the achieving and the producing, to take a step back from all the working and the wanting and the worrying, a day where we're not buying anything, where we're not having to achieve anything, where we're not having to like feel weighed down by anything because we, we simply bask in the gratitude of who you've made us to be, everything that you've given us and granted us, and that we take the time to realize that the pressure really isn't on us, it's on you, and it doesn't intimidate you. That you've given us a part to play it's a privilege, but the pressure is off because the job of saving the world, saving our family, saving our company, all of this is ultimately on your shoulders. And as we slate time each week to simply be and look and enjoy, God, may, may we become more and more aware of this and may both our rest and our work be better off because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at southhillscorona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.